Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths from the God who knows the end from the beginning. God alone can predict the future and the details that go along with that, without error. God predicted the 430 years of captivity of Israel in Egypt. God predicted the birth of Isaac a year before her pregnancy. God predicted the seven years of captivity that we're reading about here with Daniel in Babylon. And so the revelation of Daniel to the king about the interpretation of his dream was inerrant prediction. Inerrant prediction. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Not long after having taken Israel captive to Babylon, the restless King Nebuchadnezzar was disturbed by a perplexing dream. Despite being threatened with a death decree, none of his astrologers or sorcerers could offer the interpretation for the tyrant king. Fortunately, the Almighty Creator that knows the hearts, thoughts, and secrets of man knows his dreams as well. And so in answer to prayer, God mercifully blessed the faith of the young Daniel with the interpretation of the prophetic vision, promptly pleasing the king while glorifying God at the same time. Pastor Xavier picks up the intriguing story in our Simple Truth Study series of the book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 2, at this point, Daniel has received a dream and interpretation from God in order to go before King Nebuchadnezzar, and it consists of three scenes here. First, verse 19, down to 23, we have the response of Daniel to God for giving him the interpretation of the dream. Second, 24 through 30, the report of Daniel to Ariok, he would give the king the interpretation to his dream. And then 30, 31 through 45, the revelation of Daniel to the king about the interpretation of his dream. Now, Daniel just broke out spontaneous in worship of God. He has gone before the throne of grace and God has responded. Literally, his jubilation of joy over the fact that God granted him and his three friends the dream and the interpretation for Nebuchadnezzar. First thing he does before he goes to king, Nebuchadnezzar, he worships God. Daniel worshiped God for revealing the dream and interpretation. First for the enablement. Listen carefully. You have given me wisdom and might. Wow. Second, for answering the petition. And have now made known to me what we ask of you. Third, for appeasing the king. For you have made known to us the king's demand. God created the problem. God gives a solution to the problem. The response of Daniel to God for giving him the interpretation of the dream was an expression of adoration. That's it. Just adoration. Notice secondly, verse 24 through 30. The announcement of Daniel to Ariok that he would give the king the interpretation of his dream is the second scene. Uh, Daniel understood the chain of command of the kingdom. Notice there in 24, Ariok had been waiting for the reply of Daniel. He was a captain of the king's guard, the chief executioner. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Whoa! Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Wow. So Daniel went in before the king in 25. In 26, the king directed himself to Daniel with a questionable attitude. Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen? Nebuchadnezzar asked if Daniel had the ability. 
because the wise men had confessed they did not in the earlier verses. Nebuchadnezzar is full of doubt here this time. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare it to the king. And he's not doing it arrogantly. He's reminding the king. Because what is Daniel and God after before all of this? The heart of Nebuchadnezzar. To turn him. That he come to know God. Instructing the king says, But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets hidden things, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days, very specific. This powerful king, I think, paid attention. Might even got a little nervous. In 28, Daniel revealed that the content of his words were to his dreams and visions in the night. He says, your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these Daniel reveals the king was troubled about the kingdom in 29. The king was wondering about the future of the kingdom. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. He just became king a few years ago. His dad died in 606. He got crowned as king. Here he is. He's got this powerful kingdom. All these things going on. What's going to happen? The king in heaven revealed to Nebuchadnezzar the future kingdoms. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. Men don't know. How many men have, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to plan, I'm going to start a business, and in 10 years I'll be here, and they go broke the first year. Wow. God alone can predict the future and the details that go along with that. Exact, without error. God predicted the 430 years of captivity of Israel in Egypt. Genesis 15, 13 and Exodus 12, 41 confirms that. God predicted the birth of Isaac, which, whose name is Laughter because Sarah laughed in unbelief. A year before her pregnancy. Way before, but a year before the pregnancy, he visited them. Genesis 17, 19, confirmed in 21, 1 through 3. God predicted the 70 years of captivity that we're reading about here with Daniel in Babylon as a judgment by God. But then God would judge Babylon and return Israel to her land. Jeremiah 25, 12, 29, 10. Daniel 9, 2. Daniel says, when I, I knew that the captivity was almost up, according to the books of Jeremiah, he sought the Lord. Man of the word. God predicted the king of Persia, Cyrus, by name, who would give the decree for Israel to go back to the land in 536 B.C., 2 Chronicles 36, 25, or 23, and then Ezra 1, 1 will confirm that. God gave the very name of the one to conquer, Cyrus, and the manner by which he would do that, going under the levee gates that would be unlocked that night. In Isaiah 45, 1 through 3, exactly the way history records it. Now, if you're going to believe in a God, you should believe in this God. <laughs> okay? The guy who knows the end from the beginning. Now, in Psalm 19, 7 through 9, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, recording, rejoicing the heart. The commands of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21 says, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. 
Would you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning of the star arises in your hearts? Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. I strike that because the word there is, it's of no private origin or impulse. And I'll prove that to you by the rest of the verse. It'll tell you exactly that's what it means. Listen. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were literally carried by the Holy Spirit. In other words, the prophets of old were men like you and I. They spoke normally with air, but when God anointed them to write the scriptures, they were infallible. Okay? That's what it's saying. Simple. Now, the announcement of Daniel to Arioch that he would give the king the interpretation to his dream was fulfilled by divine revelation. Notice the third scene, 31 to 45. The revelation of Daniel to the king about the interpretation of his dream. Daniel told the king he saw a spectacular image. Listen carefully, 31. You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image, the great image whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and it was a form was awesome. As powerful as Nebuchadnezzar was, he was taken back by this image. He was impressed, 90 feet tall, glittering gold, silver, as we'll see, bronze, iron, feet of iron and clay, massive, impressive. In 32 and 33, Daniel described the image to the king. This image head was of fine gold, its chest of arm and silver, belly of thighs of brass, legs of iron, feet of partly iron, partly clay. And then Daniel declared the destruction of the image. 34 and 35, at the beginning. You watched while the stone was being cut out without hands, which struck the image at its feet of iron and clay, and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold were crushed together and became like shaft from the summer threshing floor. The wind carried them away, insignificant, just nothing, so that no trace of them was found. Impressed by the image, gone, whoa. I'm impressed by the image, I'm terrified by what whoever did that to the image. <laughs> the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Mountains are symbolic of kingdoms. That stone cut without hands speaks of the virgin birth Messiah. God strikes that, as we'll see as we move on to our text here. And it crumbles, and he sets up the kingdom, the reign of Messiah. Daniel declared, this is the dream. So this was one of the requirements. Give me the dream, and then I'll know you can give me the interpretation, right? So on 36 there, the second part to 45, Daniel revealed the interpretation of the dream to Nebuchadnezzar. In 36, Daniel included his three friends. Don't miss it. In the interpretation. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. All three did. Everybody always points to Daniel. Daniel's good. He's a center, but all three did. Daniel identified the first kingdom, Babylon, Babylon of Nebuchadnezzar. You, O king, are the king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. He is there by God's appointment. God is not responsible for the evil he does. He has great responsibility for the authority and power, and God will judge him for that. You understand? But he's there by God's appointment. In 38... He had been given authority over all people by the hand of God. And whereas the children of men dwell, beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, he has given them to your hand and has made ruler, you a ruler over all of them. Great responsibility. See, sometimes when we have power and authority, we think we can do what we want. We can't do that. 
God will judge us for that. What do I do with my power, my authority? Is it to serve God and serve others, or is it just to enhance myself? In 38, he said, you are the head of gold. Daniel gives us the interpretation of all these. Okay, we're not left to our own, as we're going to see. Look at 39. Daniel identified the second kingdom here. Babylon would be conquered. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours. Not great detail, but the inferiority of each kingdom is indicated by the decreasing quality of the metals. From gold to silver, brass, so on and so forth, to iron. And clay and iron mixed together. The inferiority deals with the uh, central authority of organization as Babylon is the purest. Nebuchadnezzar was under no law. He did as he wanted to. Certainly the inferiority is not the amount of territory they conquered because Babylon had less territory conquered than Medo-Persia. And Medo-Persia had less than Greece. And Greece had less than Rome. So it's talking about the authority. Okay? The power. Now the second kingdom is identified as the chest and arms of silver. The dual kingdom of Medo-Persia. He mentioned the figure in 232 and he mentions it directly as Medo-Persia in 820 and 528. So we're not left to our own interpretation. I like that. Cyrus conquered Babylon in 439. Now, Daniel identified the third kingdom. In verse 39, Medo-Persia would be conquered then another and third kingdom of bronze which will rule over all the earth. The third kingdom is identified as the belly and thighs of brass. Greece, Alexander the Great. In 40, Daniel identifies the fourth kingdom. The fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron. And as much as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything like iron and crushes, the kingdoms will break in pieces and crush all of the others. Remember that this figure had two legs. The Roman Empire fractured into east and west. Okay? The fourth kingdom is Rome. Daniel 7, 7, 7, 23. Repeats the same description. Okay? Notice now 41 through 43, Daniel identified the last kingdom to rule the world. The kingdom would be a confederacy of ten toes in verse 41. Nations. But not completely unified. He says, whereas you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. So Daniel's vision will tie the ten horns and ten kings to the toes of chapter 2 here in chapter 7, verse 24. The book of Revelation, also when we get there, we'll, we'll show some stuff, okay? Simple. But there's not a complete unifying factor. When you get ten rulers together, they're not going to agree on everything. <laughs> in 42, the kingdom confederacy leadership here of the ten toes will be weak also. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. So it tells us what, each verse tells us what is the central context is, okay? So we're not left to our own. The reason is given in 43. It will be different forms of government, I believe. He says, as you saw iron mixing with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another just as iron does not mix with clay. Now, in 44, Daniel identified the eternal kingdom, the last kingdom, after the days in the time of man. 
Jesus will destroy the last kingdom of the Antichrist and set up the millennial reign, the kingdom age. Listen to 44. And in those days in these kings, God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to another people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever, all of them. Now look at 45. Daniel assured Nebuchadnezzar the certainty of the dream and its interpretation. The successive kingdoms known as the time of the Gentiles would be established and conquered. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, and the clay, and the silver, and the gold. He says, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. You're here, the head of gold. The others will come, and they will all conquer each other, and then Messiah will destroy the last empire which is an empire of the world against God. You can see Neb's face right now. Yeah. He's not a believer yet. Next chapter, he's going to say, I'm not going to be conquered. I'm making an image of all gold. Really? (laughs) Now, the time of the Gentiles was a prophetic announcement of the future empires that were to rule the world, as we've seen. It's revealed by God before some even existed as powers. They were insignificant. Babylon, 606, 605 to 538. These are round figures around there, B.C. Medo-Persia, 538 to 331 B.C. Greece, 331 to 63 when Rome took her over. The dates will change from different people. Some say 31, 63 is when... Uh, They began uh, to conquer but not establish. And then Rome from 63 or 31 to 476, roughly. Since Rome, there has been no world governing empires. Now, we've had powerful nations, Russia, the United States, England, but not world governing empires. If there would have been another governing world empire after Rome, you could have thrown your Bible away. And if tomorrow Iran conquers the whole world, then you can throw your Bible away. All right? There hasn't been one. Very specific. There is a big gap between the Roman Empire and the last empire, the ten toes of Daniel. And though there is a gap, the revelation was that the Gentiles would be ruling the world, not Israel, which is historically accurate, and we can see that. Israel is not in control right now. Though Israel has been brought into the land in May 14, 1948, they are not controlling the world. The period of the feet and the toes of iron and clay is called the 70th week of Daniel, which is found in Daniel 9.27. We'll get to it. Which will begin once the rapture of the church takes place. And then Revelation 6 to 19 gives you the tribulation, great tribulation. The period of feet and toes and iron and clay will have a world ruler the Antichrist, who will declare himself to be God after he rebuilds the temple for the Jews. Matthew 24, 15, Jesus says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoke by Daniel, the prophet flee to the wilderness. That's the middle of the seven-year tribulation, into great tribulation. 2 Thessalonians 2, 4, tells us he enters in, declares himself God. Listen to Revelation 17, 12, and 13. 
The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour. In other words, a small period of time, the seven years. With the beast, the beast is the Antichrist. These are one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. The ten will give it to the beast. The time of the Gentiles will terminate as Jesus returns for his church to set up the kingdom of the millennial kingdom. For the Jews to rule the world again. The Jews will rule over the Gentiles in the millennial kingdom. If you're with us and I said the millennium is very, very clear. Okay? Everything will be brought back to the Garden of Eden, but death will still be there. Sin will still be there, but sin will be bound for a thousand years. Okay? And he does this by removing the church. The fullness of the Gentile. Don't confuse the fullness of the Gentile of Romans 8, 25, and 26 with the time of the Gentile. The time of the Gentiles begins with Babylon, ends with the end of the seven-year tribulation. The fullness of the Gentile is when God removes the blindness from Israel and the church is removed and the tribulation begins. Very clear in Romans 8, 20. Uh, 526, um, Isaiah 11 gives you the millennial kingdom. Now, uh, Jeremiah speaks about it and many other prophets. Now, also by returning to destroy the wicked armies of the world who are there to stop Jesus from setting up the kingdom in the battle of Armageddon. And the beast and the false prophet are also uh, sentenced, as we'll see. You find that in 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9, about coming back with judgment. Revelation 19, 15 through 21 gives you the battle. Psalm 2 gives you the preview. <laughs> but also by judging the nations as uh, they treated the Jew during the Great Tribulation. Uh, Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Often this is quoted for the missionaries, but it isn't for the missionaries. He will separate the sheep from the goat. Then the king will say to those on the right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Matthew 25, 34. Prepare for the Jew. And when he gave me a cup of cold water, what if, that's for how you treated the Jew during the great tribulation. We won't be here. That's not for the missionary. Okay? Context is reward to those who treated the Jew good or bad. The beast, of false prophet, and all that receive the mark will be cast in the lake of fire. Revelation 19.20 tells us. And Jesus will set up the kingdom. He will reign on the earth along with David, co-reigning with him. Revelation 20, verse 1 through 4. And so the revelation of Daniel to the king about the interpretation of his dream was inerrant prediction. Inerrant prediction. What an incredible passage. Daniel received the dream and the interpretation from God in order to go before King Nebuchadnezzar. Consisting of the response of Daniel to God for giving him the interpretation of the dream. And this was an expression of adoration. The announcement of Daniel to Ariok that he would give the king the interpretation to his dream was fulfilled by divine revelation. And the revelation of Daniel to the king about the interpretation of his dream was an errand prediction. He tells him. When you speak with certain people, say, how dare you? How Can you imagine Nebuchadnezzar telling Daniel, how dare you speak so arrogantly? How do you know? Well, he found out. <laughs> the scriptures, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. What a privilege. That alone we shall worship God. Fall on our faces. Wow. Time of the Gentiles laid out before this king. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, revealing the God who knows the end from the beginning by way of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, interpreted by the prophet Daniel. Incredible prophetic simple truths drawn from our study series of the book of Daniel. Now, just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's study titled The Times of the Gentiles are available, as always, on CD for only $4. And by the way, we'll be including everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is The Time of the Gentiles. Or just mention today's date. Simply address your request to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 